When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No pre-roll? We good? We going? All right, I'm going. Welcome in to episode 251 of the Sources A Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. Uh, Stressed about the big game, take advantage of their special offer for KSR listeners and protect your teeth from clenching and grinding for a limited time. They are offering 20% off bite guards and discounted therapeutic disport injections click the link in our show notes to schedule your free consultation offer ends april 4th which is tomorrow so make sure you get that in now i'm your host jack pilgrim of kentucky sports radio finally here after again just an absolute mess of a start uh, of this show but i uh, appreciate you once again sean smith for joining uh, me on this beautiful monday evening sean how the heck are you Man, it is a uh, it's a journey unlike any other when we try to record this show. Every week, there is something. Either your internet's out, Stephen's internet's out, there's something going on on my end. I'm running off hotspot because I cut my internet off because I'm moving. So, uh, But hey, we're here, and hopefully we're both here for the, in, uh, the entire episode, and I'm not having to carry this, and you're not having to carry it. Hopefully we can have actual conversation, and this be a good show. So the good news is my data is great now. Uh, it w- hasn't been the last several shows, and it, I mean it's been dying, and we had the absolute just terribleness that, that were the, the last couple. Uh, so we're good there. I'm coming through clear. We're, we're no no issues there. But I was supposed to like I I like three hours ago I had an appointment with the internet. AT and T came out, and they were going to install it. And apparently, there were a bunch of like construction issues with. Uh, this house that I just built, it's supposed to, everything should be perfectly fine, but clearly that's not the case, uh, where they weren't even able to install internet. I was supposed to get fiber installed today, where everything is just crystal clear and beautiful, uh, but instead I'm still running off of uh, stupid phone uh, data, so it is what it is. I, I'm done worrying about it. Life is throwing constant curveballs at me, so you know what? We're going to present the show uh, as it comes, and we're very grateful for each and every one of our listeners, which, uh, once again, so as the show was getting started, Steve and our producer, his power just completely goes out. Like, go figure, why wouldn't it uh, with, with this show? His power goes completely out. His internet's out. So he's trying to produce this show from his car, basically, right now. So I know there are a lot of fans that were uh, very concerned about our uh, eight-minute delay to get this thing rolling, but it's source to say it is what it is. That's that's uh, what we do here on this show. So. Deep breath. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, another jam-packed show. We're very excited to talk about. Let's get let's get started, uh, Sean. With I guess the two news items of the week uh, weekend. I guess uh, we got things started with two very clear, no hesitation, no surprise decisions from uh, Case and Wallace and Jacob Toppin. Both of them announced that they are going pro. Signing with agents, done deal, uh, ending their time in Lexington. Neither are surprises. That was anticipated from day one. We said that from the, the, the start with Kaysen especially, but definitely when the, the season ended, 
uh, everybody knew that Jacob's time was was coming to an end. He was ready to, to take that next step. Were you shocked at all? What what uh, what were your reactions to uh, those two decisions in particular? Not shocked at all. Uh, no surprise there from those two. I think that that all along that's what we thought that both of them would do. And uh, you get you kind of get those moving quickly, right? Like when the season ends, those are the guys that already have their mind made up and honestly don't have decisions to make. Like those decisions have probably been made for a while. Jacob knew that this was it. Kaysen entered Kentucky for one season knowing he was planning to be a one and done. And it's the decisions that come next are the ones that you kind of look at and go, okay, guys have decisions to make about whether they – some guys either hit the portal, some guys – test the waters and come back or other guys just move on to the next step of their career. Uh, but those two do not surprise me at all. And uh, wasn't shocked at all that you had the news on Friday and then immediately following it on Saturday with Kaysen, uh with those two decisions out of the way. And it kind of uh, clears some of the roster stuff up with, uh, with what Kentucky's going to have next season and uh, where Kentucky can go here if they need to hit the portal. Yeah, those were the two easiest ones, Savier, the easiest. Uh, and then I guess up cup, uh, up next, we will have Oscar Shibway putting his name uh, in the NBA draft to test the waters. Um, that is not a shock. We'll also see Antonio Reeves test the waters. We'll see Chris Livingston test the waters. Those will be coming up this week, I, I'm told. Um, no shocks there. And for a couple of those, it's going to take a minute. Antonio Reeves and Chris Livingston, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while for those two. Um, nothing has changed with those two. Uh, NBA feedback has not been great on Antonio Reeves. Uh, some NBA guys I talked to down at McDonald's said there are 300 guys fighting for 58 spots, and Antonio is one of those guys fighting for uh, one of those spots. And um, they see him as a G leaguer. They see him as a guy that's going to come in, make fifty thousand dollars as a uh, you know Divot ten guy, and um, I, I doubt that he hears what he would like to hear that would sway him in a way that, uh, you know, unless he just understands he's 22 years old, ready to get his NBA, you know, pro career started, get that, that time clock starting for him. Uh, he's going to make a lot more money coming back to Kentucky. That's a guarantee. He made six figures this past year. He will make that again next year. Uh, so nothing has changed with him. Chris Livingston, I'm still hearing uh, definitely leaning toward leaving and, um, more exploring the draft process than even portal or definitely returning. But um, those two will kind of leave at that. But I guess the big one right now is Oscar Sheevey and what uh, is going to happen with him. He's going to test the waters. I've been told that he wants to go pro. Uh, but for the first time, Sean, I'm hearing that those around him, his agent and, and um, you know, other people in his circles, his guardian uh, back home, uh, aren't necessarily closing the door to a entering the transfer portal, which is something that I just could have never imagined um, seeing kind of the stardom and super celebrity that he has become in Lexington. The possibility of him uh, entering the portal just seems bizarre to me. Um, I think Kentucky would be shocked if he actually hit the portal and, and went elsewhere, but for the first time, uh, it's actually being discussed, and um, I think it will come down to money. Obviously, um, for, for a guy that doesn't have a super high pro ceiling, uh, it's obviously going to come down to money, and uh, there's a strong belief that he could get upwards of $2 million elsewhere, and Kentucky is not going to commit to some NIL demand no matter what it is. They're not going to just write him a blank check for you know bringing him back. So I think for the first time, that's just kind of a reality that is it's at least an option being discussed. Would you be shocked to see uh, 
Oscar go. It would be hard to see, right? But in today's world of college basketball, I don't think anything shocks me anymore, especially with uh, the, the transfer portal, NIL, all this extra eligibility that everybody has. Like, how do you even know at this point how much eligibility a player has anymore? Like, just given the the COVID year and things like that, like, it's just uh, – it's a different world of college basketball, and I think it's going to be a period that we're going to deal with probably for at least another couple of seasons until the older guys in college basketball move on. Uh, we did see that the NBA, the one-and-done thing, is sticking around and stuff like that. That was, I think, some news over the weekend that we kind of looked at for a couple of years and thought that was going away, and it, it's not going away. So, uh, no, with Oscar, I guess it would surprise me to see Oscar play college basketball somewhere else other than Kentucky. I think if he's not playing college basketball next season, he's likely moving on to a, a pro career of some sort. But money talks. Is there more money somewhere else in college? You would think that at Kentucky is where he would make the most money. But if there's not that opportunity, and like you said, Kentucky is not going to commit to some big NIL, NIL deal, uh, can he find it somewhere else? But I would be shocked if Oscar were wearing another college basketball jersey. I, I just think that after the career that he had in Lexington, like his, his pro ceiling is what it is at this point. It's not getting any higher. It could only honestly get lower the, the older he gets. So you, you kind of – or at that point where I feel like that it's it's probably time to move on, and I would expect that that be the decision that's made. Yeah, and that's my read on, on the situation. Look, when Oscar Shibway is the celebrity that he is in college basketball, the most beloved guy that, I mean, has come through Lexington, and, I mean, who knows how long, the most dominant player to come through Lexington in his own right, they're obviously going to try to milk every single NIL dime that they could get. I mean, he is he's the brand. Like he he is the college basketball brand that is what makes NIL so impactful and, and all that. So uh, of course they're going to weigh all of their options. And when you have the pro status of Oscar Sheboy and you know that there's a very good chance he goes undrafted. If not, he'll slide in somewhere middle to the end of the second round as some team taking a flyer on him. I still think that as as much as as, as glaring as the defensive deficiencies he has and, and how much they will be exposed at the next level, I still think that there's a role out there for uh, in a six and six guy who plays ten minutes a game, comes in at you know just a high energy guy who's going to be a, a bruiser, per, you know, provides some physicality. Uh, as, a, as a depth piece in the league, I think th those guys stick. And I do think that Oscar has the heart and the mentality to, hey, you know, claw his way into earning one of those types of roles. And I think that's kind of what he's hanging on to. He he genuinely believes that he's a pro. He wants to go pro. Uh, if Oscar has it his way and nobody else has a say in it, Oscar's ready for a fresh start on his own right and, and would like to, you know, just see what he can do as an NBA player. But I think when they realize that the NBA money in that that realm isn't going to be anything close to what he could touch in, in uh, college with, with NIL, it's just something that they're exploring and coming to Kentucky and saying, all right, what's the highest offer that we, you could give us? And, you know, obviously ast astronomical numbers that Kentucky's just not going to touch, knowing the recruiting class they have coming in and the, you know, the prioritization that you need to have for those guys as well. Uh, you you just can't be making nil demands and and following through with those crazy promises and all that. So I, I just think when push push comes to shove, they'll explore it and they'll you know see what they could get in, in through other schools. And I've heard that number two million dollars elsewhere. He made four this year. So 
I don't think he'd be able to make that again because of how evenly spread out the NIL will be next year with DJ and Rob and Justin and Reed is going to make a ton of of money with NIL. You can only sell so many um, rebound t-shirts, RRRR rebound t-shirts, and there are only only so many commercials and, and all that. So I think when push comes to shove, he will ultimately decide to go pro and keep his name in the draft and just see what he can be as a pro. But uh, it is something we got to talk about that it, the portal is there. Uh, but Kentucky it, would be shocked if he he would actually follow through with it. Yeah, the, the portal's changed the game of college basketball so much. And I was talking to somebody today about how much has changed since the COVID year when it comes to, you know, the portal. Because we, we were talking about Jacob Toppin when he transferred to Kentucky and Olivier Saar and how they had to get waivers to be eligible to play. That was just a couple of years ago. And it feels like it's a lifetime ago with everything that's kind of happened in, in the collegiate game. Uh, but Oscar's time at Kentucky, the the two years, the numbers that he put up, you know, All-American, National Player of the Year. It kind of feels like we're to a point, though, where, where both sides have kind of exhausted their their roles with one another. Like, I feel like that Kentucky as a program is probably ready to move on to something different. And I think Oscar as a, as a player is ready to move on to something different. And I think that that's going to ultimately be the end all decision. And I think Kentucky's front court will look significantly different next year than what it did this year. The other piece to that puzzle, Ugana Onion. So I've been saying it for several weeks now, and I know there's a lot of pushback. Well, he said in the post-game press conference that he was coming back and all that. It's complicated. I've said it on this show from from the very beginning that it is way deeper than any emotional press conference after the fact where he's trying to say all the right things and do the right things and say, uh, you you know, I know Oscar's going to leave. I know uh, Jacob's going to leave. I need to be, you know, fill that void that they're leaving and, you know, be the anchor piece down low. Like, of course, he's going to say all the right things. And in his mind, I, I think he genuinely feels that. And again, I've said on the show, if it were up to him, he would be back. And, and he is very happy with how things are going at Kentucky. But unfortunately, um, it's deeper and more complicated than that. And I think now the whispers are starting to grow louder and louder that this is a very real thing. Um, and this hasn't been put out anywhere else. I've, I've talked about it on the KS, KSR message board um, quite often, but uh, I am now of the belief that Ugon Onion so uh, will be putting his name in the transfer portal. I, I'm, I'm feeling much more confident about that today than I was yesterday, than I was a week ago. Um, I, I think that the expectations with, with NIL, I think some of the um, – they were, and I've said this before. the The word redshirt and the phrasing of he was going to come in and just redshirt this year, not not have any expectations of playing. Uh, that made sense on the surface, and and that's what UK wanted, uh, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, they he essentially redshirted this year, playing alongside and, and you know working with Oscar Sheepway in practice, and it was great for his development. But they were always very touchy about throwing that that word redshirt out there and not wanting to cancel out the possibility of him playing. And uh, if the opportunity presented itself and if he developed the way that they were hoping that he would be a factor by year's end, but in reality it was flipped. He played early because Oscar Sheboy was out dealing with a knee injury and coming back from that, that procedure. He basically plays in, in place of him. And after that, I mean, he, he was a non-factor the rest of the season. So uh, I think it didn't go the way that they were hoping. Um, and I think NIL, again, in the world of NIL, expectations are what they are and demands are what they are. 
Um, and that's where things are. They, they, those conversations are ongoing right now. And, and I don't think that they're going very well. Um, and I think that it's time to kind of just accept the reality that at minimum, he's going to explore the portal and um, Kentucky should probably start weighing its uh, portal options elsewhere uh, and figure out a contingency plan at minimum. It's not a done deal either direction, but it's it's at least to the point where you got to come up with some backup plans. You can't be left empty handed at this point. Yeah, you're to a point in the collegiate game where it's I mean, the recruiting season, you know, you're typically spent recruiting high school kids, right? Like right. And, and you get to uh, the, the the signing the signing dates and things like that. There there's more recruiting that goes on within your own roster now than there is just about anywhere anywhere else in the game. Like you have to recruit each and every one of your guys back to your program. And we know that not and that's not just a Kentucky thing. That's everywhere thing. You have guys going in the portal now that names pop in every day that just shock you. You're like, oh, I didn't I didn't expect that guy to go to the portal. There was somebody from Baylor just recently went into the portal that I saw a few minutes ago. I can't remember the name, but LJ Cryer, uh, yeah, the, the guard, yeah. Yeah, and the double digit score. I mean, there's there's talent going in the portal every single day. And that's the game of college basketball now. But you know, Ugo and and things with that situation, you know, you've been talking about that ever since the season ended, that that was a, that that's a possibility. And given where Kentucky is, and I know that the interview and stuff there in the locker room in Greensboro, it's, it's easy to say what you want to say, but there's other voices behind you saying other things. And it doesn't matter what an 18, 19 year old kid says in that moment, there's other factors at play. There's other people that influence things. There's other uh, parties involved and, you know, why can't players make their own decisions? That's the comment that just put on the screen. Well, when I was 18, 19 years old, I had people influence what my decisions that I made. Now I don't, but that's just the life that we live in, especially when there's NIL and everything else and money involved and all, all these decisions that are that are made. Like, it's a really messy process. And roster construction now is very messy. It's very messy at Kentucky. It's messy at Duke. It's messy at North Carolina. It's messy everywhere. NIL impacting it, transfer portal, transfer portal impacting it, try, guys trying to get on campus from the high school route. Uh, coaches are earning their money more so now than they ever did just because of the way roster construction and the things and the factors that are at play. It's completely different than what it was three years ago. And I guess my frustration with uh, Ugo's situation is, is he did really well with NIL for yeah. a kid that played almost zero this year. Like the dude made six figures in a, in a, a non-factor role as a bench guy. And his ceiling's high. He's a high ceiling guy. Like I would, I would love to see what he would do in this program with uh, extended minutes in a in a larger role. I, I would love to see that with uh, his numbers and stuff last year. When you looked up per forty and things with rim protection, like if he had played, like he he was going to be a really good shot blocker. He had great moments in the limited role that we saw him in. And I would like to see that development long term at Kentucky. I'd like to see him alongside Bradshaw next year and see what Kentucky could be. But I, I guess it, then it comes down to, like, if he does leave, you know, where does Kentucky go? Does, does Kentucky – is it better for Kentucky to bet on the the upside and the ceiling, or is it better for Kentucky to go to the portal and get a guy that has done something over the course of a couple of years in college basketball? And we know that there's names out there now. Yeah. yeah I guess that's just what sucks is – Kentucky is not a school that will ever make NIL promises. They, they will not say, we're going to get you 
$5 million for coming here and, and, you know, whatever. That's what, you know, Baylor Shireman last year who went to Creighton came in and said, we want $1 million. His agent came in and said, a million dollars is our starting conversation. And Kentucky was like, no. Like, who do you think you're talking to? Could you make a million dollars at Kentucky with us? Sure. It, it, it's the biggest brand that you could dream of. And, and you will have the chance to be Jacob Toppin, the face of March Madness and an AT&T commercial. You'll be able to make money. But don't mm-hmm. think that you're going to come in and, and uh, you know, lay it all out there and say, you know, you're going to go by our ter- our terms and our rules. Um, we expect a million dollars or we're walking. Kentucky will tell you could take a hike then buddy because you're not getting any demands however they will tell you that guys like antonio reeves who comes in from illinois state who was an unbelievable scorer in his own right there but came in with no name recognition he was not the face of the program he came in and kind of had to figure himself out brand wise and you know he's not the most outspoken talkative guy and he's not the uh, you know a big flamboyant character and somebody who's gonna you know go out of his way with branding and things like that he still makes six figures. That's the Kentucky effect. They, you will come here and you could be Ugana and Yenzo and make, you know, have no like little to no on court impact and still make six figures because that's what Kentucky does for you. And that's where where I kind of get frustrated in this process where they come in and want these demands because other schools are, are you know promising the moon and, and the stars, knowing that you could make the moon and the stars here, but. That's just not going to be promised. It's not going to be handed to you in a blank check and, and expect that. It's 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 these guys are frankly they're losing their minds. Some of these conversations coming to UK and making these these astronomical demands. It's not going to get you anywhere at Kentucky, and it sucks because guys like Ugo, where money comes first with the people around them, it's 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 not fair to the kids because Ugo wants to be here. And he likes the way he's developing and, and Kentucky would love to have him back and they're recruiting him back and they're hoping that they come to their senses and they say, all right, let's, let's take out the, the outside crap and let's, let's get this job done and, and do what you came here to do last season. That's what's frustrating about this job. But like you said, it's the new era of the portal. If, and if he doesn't, where does Kentucky go? And that's, the unfortunate truth with all of this, you have you you, you are actively recruiting Chris Livingston, mm-hmm. Antonio Reeves, Ugana Onyen. So you're recruiting those guys back to your roster. But how can you be actively recruiting those guys back and then hit the portal and go Hunter Dickinson? Everybody wants a Hunter mm-hmm. Dickinson. Okay, how are you going to go to Hunter when you're still recruiting Onyenso back with Aaron Bradshaw coming back? There's, coming there's, in there's at no this? vacant spot. There's, you, there's no spot. You, you, that's what's difficult about this. You yep. can't be juggling both. And that's yep. why Cal said down in, down in Houston, he did a media appearance and he said, you know, everybody's throwing our names around with these guys in, in the portal. We can't promise anything. We can't offer scholarships, roles, unless you just want to come in and have a spot where we can't promise you that you're going to be a starter or, you know, a, a bench guy or whatever, because we have guys still on the roster that are trying to decide what they're going to do. And, and it puts Kentucky and Cal in a really difficult spot. It, it does because, like you said, you can't look at your guys, be recruiting them back, and then go out and show interest in the transfer portal in somebody because then your guys are going to be like, okay, you're trying to replace me. Right. Or you can't go to the portal and talk to someone when you're trying to recruit your guys because there's still – there's no spot. 
and I don't know, like, I don't know what the fix is, but that's where I was coming from earlier when I was talking about that roster construction. When the tournament ends, whenever your season is over, like there's two teams that are not playing for a national championship, they're going to deal with the exact same thing starting tomorrow. What's their roster look like next year? Who hits the portal? There's going to be guys from the portal from both those teams. That's just college basketball. There's going to be guys join them from the portal. And that's just the way the game is now. That's the way that the game is managed. It's the way the game is played. And the way that and the offseason is almost inter, as entertaining as the season. Because mm-hmm. you just never know what's going to happen and who's going to hit the portal and what the rosters are going to look like. You still have like head coaching carousel and stuff's not as crazy as it is in other years. Like there's not as many big time jobs open and, and things like that. Like those are the years where things really get messy uh, when you got bigger jobs opening and things like that. But uh, when it comes down to this, you would, you would love to see like a time period to where maybe you have a deadline to enter the portal in the season. Mm-hmm. And then maybe after the season, there's a period where you can't hit the portal until such and such date. And I would like to I would like to see something like that. That way then coaches can kind of manage this thing a little bit better and have an idea of what their rosters are going to look like. And then, okay, you open the portal here and now the portal is open and you can kind of look and, and, and recruit those options. So if you're at Kentucky, I guess the most important thing every single offseason is to recruit your guys back. Right. And then after you get through that, then you kind of look at what your options are. But you don't want to be at a dead end here, Jack, and be left without what you want. Like let's say that Ugo hits the portal and it's a little bit later than planned, but then the guys that maybe you would have looked at in the portal are already gone. And then here's Kentucky left standing with what? An open spot and nobody to fill it. That's the dangerous game that you play here, and that's the the tricky part that you you got to dance around. Uh, you usually now don't see rosters set until probably into May. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the case again for Kentucky. I think you're going to get deep into spring before you know what this roster is going to look like. Top to bottom, you can't set a preseason poll. You can't, me and you can't sit here and talk about what our expectations are for next year because outside of the freshmen, we really have no idea what this roster is going to look like. Yeah. And, and so the, 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 there's a list of names out there, but it's not the list I think that fans are hoping for and guys that they're just going crazy over and recruiting. So um, Puff Johnson Dal- of North Carolina, Dalton Neck of uh, Northern Colorado, TJ Bamba of Washington State, Olivier uh, Kumwa of Tennessee, Kellel Ware, Oregon, and Hunter Dickinson of Michigan. That's a list. It, it is by its very definition a list of names, but I can say quite confidently that Kentucky has not pushed on any of those guys to the point of, all right, let's get you committed. Let's get you signed up. Let's do that. Cal can't even begin those conversations. And, and I know for a fact that the only real like NIL, like sit down, of, okay, here's big picture of what we're going to be and, and what your expectations are going to be for us and what we can put, you know, present to you. And, and you know, the, those meetings, the only guys that they've actually been able to sit down and have those meetings with are Puff Johnson and Dalton Neck, which I love Dalton. I think that that would be a huge, huge, huge get for Kentucky. And um, I would watch that one closely, especially because, he is not in any rush to make a decision. Uh, I think he's very comfortable with Kentucky's approach and saying, we love you. We would really like to have you, but we are in no position to take any commitment right now. So let's just kind of slow play this. And I think he's cool with that approach. So that would, of all of those names, is probably one I would keep the closest eye on because they've been pretty transparent with him about just where, where things stand. But 
some of these guys, Kentucky has just gotten contact info on, like just gotten their phone number to say, okay, in case we need you, here's, here's our car, you know, like a business card. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's, uh, it's just in case I don't want to come in at the the midnight hour here and and get involved. You kind of want to be there from the start. And I don't know, like it's, like I said, it, it's difficult. Like, because you're doing both. You're you're going to Ugo and saying, "Dude, you're going to be the you're going to be our front course court centerpiece. We need you. We'd love you back. Oh man, you're going to be our anchor down low. You know, defensive presence. All this, and then you're going to turn right around and go to Kellel Ware and say, "You're going to be our anchor down low. You're going to be our starting center. We love the role that you, we have in place for you. Like, you can't have both. Like, no. you you got to kind of have your feet in both areas, but you cannot pursue either person to the fullest extent because of that. And, and it's, it's tricky. It's really tricky. And I think that's why Cal, uh, when he talked down at, at Houston, that media opportunity, he was like, I got to recruit my own guys back. And I got a yeah. lot of people on my own roster to worry about before I can, I can even start to uh, have the conversations. Are we going to get Hunter Dickinson? It's just, I mean, it, no, you're not. I mean, Maryland just hired his, high school coach and a guy with all the connections of the DMV. And uh, I mean, it would be, uh, that's definitely the, the, the leader in the clubhouse for Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. I was told that Kentucky, you know, Kentucky likes him, but Cal also doesn't want to go back to the kind of the plotting big guy. If you're going to get away from Oscar, you're going to get away from Oscar completely. Uh, obviously more skilled offensively, but kind of the same defensive struggles and the, all of those sorts of things. They, they kick the tires on it, but Again, they're just in no position to go all in on anybody, and it's just a, a really tricky situation for them. Kind of in a, kind of in a holding pattern. With, I mean, you're you don't want to be saying you're held hostage, but right now you're you kind of can't move. You're you're looking at this thing and thinking, okay, like uh, where where are we going to go? And I mean, as we provide weekly updates here on this show, like things are going to change. Like when we get back on here next week, it's probably going to be a significantly different outlook. There's going to be some more decisions probably made and. There's going to be more names in the portal, and we're going to get more connections with Kentucky. The, the one thing that Kentucky can lean on right now that I do think provides some insurance in where fans should feel and how they should feel is the class coming in is talented. They have a really good class coming in. That is something to lean on. Had this been a class like last year's where you have a couple of guys coming in, like you got Kaysen or you got Chris, you got Adu, and you, it's a thinner class, and it's not got the headline guys at the top of it, I'd have a little bit more anxiety. I think about it than what I do right now. I, I saw what those guys are a week ago. And I think that they've got some dudes, they've got some dogs coming in. And that gives me a little bit more hope that now it's about just finding the blend that goes with it. You get Antonio Reeves back. That's, that's obviously priority one or at Chris Livingston too. Like that's, that's certainly what you want. You're still hoping that Ugo's a part of this. You figure out who's coming back and then you want to go and you kind of want to blend this with portal pieces and it's not necessarily got to be the most talented guy in the portal. It's not about just adding talent. It's about adding what fits with what you've got coming in. It's about who do you put to go with these talented freshmen coming in and who you got coming back. So I think the class in itself should give Kentucky fans a little bit of security that it's going, that it's probably, I think it'll end up being okay. I think we're going to be sitting here sometime in May and looking at a roster that's probably going to be one of the better ones in college basketball going in and have some optimism going into a year where, Kentucky desperately needs to have a good year. Mm-hmm. But I think the class in itself gives us something to stand on 
Now it's about finding those one or two names in the portal that kind of go with it. Are they in the portal yet? I don't know. Well, I mean, shoot, everybody else is recruiting Kentucky's guys through back <laughs> channels. So why the hell isn't Kentucky playing dirty in its own right? I mean, yeah. some of this stuff is just so gross. It's a mess. It's a it, mess, man. It's, it's an absolute headache. You know these coaches in college basketball now, they're they're like, God, like, why, especially the older guys in college basketball, like, good Lord, like, you didn't have to deal with this five or six years ago. And now it's it's a completely different game. You have to recruit your guys on your roster from the moment they step on campus all the way through. You don't stop. The portal is active at all times. We know that people tamper. We know that there's conversations behind the scenes. We know people talk and there's fillers. Do you think that guys go in the portal without having an idea of what their options are? And what they would be looking for among those options. Yeah, exactly. Like there's always something behind the scenes. We know that. Hmm. It's a mess. And I guess the one that I am, um, I think Kentucky should start really, you know, knowing what we know about Ugo and how Oscar's, I mean, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Oscar is in a Kentucky uniform again. I, I, I lean pro, but I still, no matter what, I would still be very, very shocked. Um, Cal wouldn't completely shut the door on him if he just begged to come back and said, hey, man, we, you know, I want one more run at it. Let me do it. Cal would let that happen, assuming there weren't any outside NIL demands or anything like that. But um, the one that I, I guess, am at least questioning is Damian Collins. There's nobody in that building that believes Damian Collins is, is back. Like it's, it's a pretty strong consensus that he's going to hit the portal. He's going to go home. Uh, somewhere close, you know, in Texas or around th that area and, uh, you know, be close to home, be close to mom, be close to little sisters. You got to get a Damien replacement. Like that's where you could at least go to the portal and say, all right, we got to find that high potential guy. And, and I think that's where Kellel Ware at Oregon. Yes. And I said this on last week's show when the name first started coming out, Kentucky does like Kellel Ware. However, they also have the same concerns that I do about him that, does he truly love basketball? Is he a guy that is obsessed with the game and he's going to be in the gym and spend all of his waking hours day in and day out to better his craft? Those are some of the questions of why maybe he didn't have the year at Oregon that they were hoping for. But Cal has done really well with those types of guys. But he is maybe a lower floor than somebody. Really freaking high ceiling guy. Is that not kind of what you have already in Damian Collins? If he's leaving then I, I don't know how you don't go all in on where, at minimum, Kellel Ware and say, all right, man, we're, we're losing Damian. You're going to fill that void on, on this roster and uh, really see if we can kind of pry and, and, and kind of light that spark under you and, and kind of kick you in the butt a little bit and, and unlock that potential for you. Because if, if, if there's one guy that you could go and, and really hit a home run on and get the – best version of the, themselves in a high-profile environment like Kentucky is Kellel Ware. And, and that's that's one that I would personally be exploring, especially knowing that it'd be an absolute shock at this point if Damian Collins is is not transferring closer to home. Yeah, Ware would be the guy that I'd be looking at too. And, you know, look, you look at his numbers, and he had some moments against good teams. And he, he put up some good numbers against the team that's playing in the national championship tonight in UConn. And yep. then, uh, the game I mentioned last week against uh, Michigan State, like uh, I think that that's that's probably where Kentucky should certainly look. And uh, I'm of the belief with you that, that Damian, I don't like you said, nobody really believes that. And I think for a while now we've all thought that that Damian would probably do something closer to home. 
and make that an option. But so I guess when we're looking at this roster and we're looking at who's coming back, like has anything changed in your mind? Like a Duthiero, Lance Ware, what what happens with CJ Frederick? Like now it's been two weeks since the season ended. And you're just now getting to a point where there's decisions made, like Final Four weekend. But that's that's not out of the norm for Kentucky, just because if Kentucky had been playing, it's Final Four weekend. It's after the tournament ends tonight. That's when the most movement starts to happen mm-hmm. with NBA decisions and everything like that. Like you still got other guys in college basketball that's got to make NBA stereo decisions. You've got other guys hitting the portal and things like that. Like it's, I'm looking at the rest of this week and in the next week when we record for a lot more news and things to the, the bigger picture of what college basketball could look like a year from now, you you have more op, you have more answers a week from now than what you do now. I would expect some more guys for Kentucky to kind of be off the board. Yeah. And I think CJ is the big one. I think I, I would be shocked if Adu or Lance Ware um, yeah. decided at the portal. Adu, it, his dad is, you know, very outspoken on Twitter as the games are going on. Why the hell is my son not playing? And he, But he's every passionate dad that you've ever seen coaching basketball or like, that's to be expected. Um, I think that there's an un, there was an understanding when he came in that it was going to be a long ride with a do. We're going to have to live with. I mean, he got a lot of. Uh, you know, I think on the surface he got way more opportunities uh, his freshman year than I was anticipating going into the year. I think he was given a lot of pretty solid chances, honestly, uh, all things considered. So I, I would be shocked if he um, decides to hit the portal. He's down in Houston right now with his family. He put his dad posted pictures on on Twitter. Uh, hanging out with Dirk Nowitzki and uh, uh, um, Tracy McGrady, two guys that were yeah. at one point almost Kentucky Wildcats. So that was kind of cool, uh, just hanging out with family down. And uh, I, had, I had somebody down at the uh, uh, Team USA um, 2024 kids, or 2024-2025 kids, the, the mini camp down at uh, Houston. I had somebody reach out to me and go, I'm here covering this event. Uh, and a do Thero is here over off to the corner by himself dribbling a basketball. Like, do you have any insight into why he's here? And I was like, I reached out to UK and was like, any reason why he's in Houston? And they were like, no, nah, man, he's just he's just chilling with his family. There's no concern with uh, with him as of right now. And, and Lance, I think, is the same way. He's super excited for, um, you know, DJ coming in, Aaron Bradshaw, so that, you know, the Camden connection. So I, I'd still be shocked about those two. But, but CJ is the one to – watch closely Uh, i would watch what blair green does i don't think she'll be back on the basketball team for the the women's but i would watch if she decides to go the grad transfer route and just for academic reasons stay at uk if she does do that i think there's a pretty solid chance you get cj back for another year but that one's still up in the air i think kentucky is leaning more we're going to get him back versus not Uh, but i think that's more so just kind of the thought that as time goes on and he gets further away from the ceiling, his body heals a little bit and he can kind of get back to that. All right. I'm itching to get back on the floor. Let me get that opportunity and, and get one last stab at it. I think that's going to be ultimately what he decides to do, but no decision made either way. But I, I still think all three of those guys are going to be back. And we don't, I don't think we know dates, but about three months we would be watching Kentucky basketball, right? We, so like first, first week of July. Yep. We have we have no idea what the roster looks like and what it's going to look like, but we know in about ninety days, whatever it looks like, it's going to be on the court and playing. So, you you kind of want to see, you know, what this thing's going to look like here. But I'm I'm looking at probably mid May before we really know what Kentucky has of substance in the backcourt. But these decisions that 
Oscars, obviously, the decision for what Oscars is going to do, the, those dominoes have to fall before anything can kind of enter. And when as those fall, then it opens doors to see what Kentucky is going to look like. And then you can kind of start to piece your roster together. Obviously, Antonio Reese, Chris Livingston, those are the two that we're watching closely to see what they do, uh, whether – and I mean, I would expect those guys to to test the waters at least, right? Like you would expect them to, to go through – has Reeves ever tested the process at all? So I looked it up because um, I had the same question. I looked it up, and he I think he technically tested the waters two years ago, which I thought you were only allowed to do that once. I don't know how that uh, – is it only once, or is that has that changed? You, can, you do it twice now, I'm pretty sure. Twice? Okay. Then, think, then it doesn't yeah. matter. But I saw that, and I was like, hmm, wait I a think second. If, if I'm not good. mistaken, I think the third time you have – if you enter, you have to stay in. Okay, you can't. Right. Okay, that's right. That's right. So, that's right. So yeah, he'll he'll take the water. He has to take advantage of it, right? Because he's got one more year of eligibility. Why not just test it now and see where you're at? Get that feedback, come back, and then go all in. I guess the only thing I'm concerned about with Antonio is if he was if he were given the opportunity, he would go pro. Like if if he had a, a crystal clear two way deal, you know, something that would justify you know be justified financially for him where he can make a, a solid bit of money playing professional basketball, he would take it. And, and I think th- there's there's a very real kind of just thought process with him that I'm 22 years old. I need to take that next step. I'm ready to get that rolling, but I also want to make it financially make, it needs to make sense financially for that to happen. So that's, I mean, when I say that the expectation is he, he comes back is because the expectation is financially will not make sense for him not to come back. And I think when push comes to shove, it will only come down to money for him and his family because, you know, he wants to provide for his family and it's a you know noble thing to do. I don't blame him in the slightest, but um, if that opportunity comes, he will absolutely take it. Like that's what I'm very confident in. So that's the only thing I'm worried about uh, is it's a great thing to say, Oh, he's going to test the waters and the feedback's going to be terrible, but uh, you know, he'll be back. No, no big deal. But if, what if one team falls in love with him and says, all right, I want to give you a shot on a two way deal. He just explodes in one, you know, he, he does what he did, did at that Arkansas game on the road in Fayetteville in a uh, workout with, with an NBA team. And they go, Oh my God, I got it. I got to take this guy. I, I have no choice, but to give him a two way or take a flyer on him at the end of the second round. Cause at that point, I think he would be gone. And then Kentucky would be ultra screwed. Like that, that would be a really difficult, difficult scenario. I, I still envision him coming back and, and all that, but he's a guy that would like to take, you know, strike while the iron's hot if that opportunity is there. So that's the only con- like very slight concern that I have with this kind of just big picture who I'm expecting to go and who I expect to come back. Yep. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be something – Every week on here, the only thing that's changed, I guess, from last week to this week is we've had a couple of decisions made and, and finalized, and I would expect a couple – I'd expect at least, what, one or two more, one more at least, probably before we get on here next week. I would assume that – I mean, I would think that Oscars – something with Oscars got to be in the near future, right? Like you would think. Like that's that's a big one. Yeah, the, uh, he'll he'll announce that he's testing the waters this week. Uh, yeah. That, that's – I think, I think we'll probably get – at least testing waters news on all three of Oscar Antonio and Chris this week that I'd be pretty shocked if we didn't hear movement. I know Oscar's coming out this week, but uh, the other, the other two that I've just been told that those are the next in line after Oscar. So I would just be 
just playing playing the odds there. That's just what I expect to happen. I guess a question that I have for you before we start wrapping this thing this thing up. Um, John Calipari said that he's going to start taking the coaching search seriously and just kind of just n- navigating those um, who's going to be on his bench next season. He's going to start taking that very seriously this after the final four wraps up. So starting tomorrow uh, in an ideal world is when he's going to kind of say, all right, let's, let's figure out who's going to be on my bench next year. What are you looking for this off season um, from John Calipari in that regard? What, what would make you happy for Cal to, to, to address his staff one way or the other, where the changes, whether it be just who he, who you want to add to replace KT, what, what are you hoping for out of this process? I'm, I think the, the thing that I'd want him to look for is the, the one thing with Cal that I, I think, I mean, obviously we know Cal likes to go connections. We like, he likes to go with people that he knows and that can be a good thing. But that can also be a not so good thing because then you get people that are comfortable and you get people that probably don't want to challenge you as much or won't challenge you as much because they're comfortable too. I think that going and getting a guy that's not going to just be a yes man would be a really good thing for John Calipari. Mm-hmm. A guy that's going to go and wants to, that has a fire about him. And I'd like to see it be a young guy that's that's got an edge about him that is going to hit the recruiting trail hard, is going to help Kentucky in game planning and be a, another voice and stuff for the players that that you hear the players praise. And I think that getting somebody that has an edge about them would be a really good move for Cal. A guy that comes in and is not afraid to hit the trail and grind and work and and go all out. I don't know who that is. I mean, obviously, we know the, the Passner, you know, Josh Passner stuff and that connection. But I think somebody that maybe feels like they've got something to prove. I would love to see something like that added to the staff. And, you know, I thought Jay was going to be that guy a couple of years ago, the guy that was looking to keep climbing the ladder. I've always said that Jay wanting – that Jay making a move to Duke was it was actually an eye-opener to me more so than anything because I thought that Kentucky was the place where guys like Jay would never want to – would not want to leave unless they got a head coaching job. So I just feel like that somebody that just has an edge about him would be a really good move. It, it, I don't want to go comfort here because I don't think Cal just needs another guy behind him that just says yes and agrees with everything he does. And so to play both sides of this, I completely, I couldn't, could not agree more uh, with that. I think it, I'm, you know, I think there's some pretty real frustration about just how this season went and, uh, you know, I think scouting left a lot to be desired. I think that has to be addressed, no matter if it, if it's coming from within, who's already on the staff or what or whatever. Uh, I think evaluation. I think, uh, you know, using Kentucky's resources and I mean, you are the gold standard of college basketball: an unlimited recruiting budget, unlimited scouting budget, evaluation bu- budget, all of the things that that you you have every tool necessary to get whoever you want to scout any team that you want to, you know, the, the film breakdowns, all that stuff. You, you at Kentucky are blessed more than any other college in, 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 in the sport. You need a guy on this roster that's going to utilize that and, and to have that fire under his butt and to say, all right, I'm going to be with my, and I think player relationships and, and having a connection with the, with the staff and, and, you know, the guy that's going to be there at 1145 at night, getting shots up at the Joe Craft Center. That guy has not been on this ro- on this coaching staff uh, 
I think that has been something that has has really uh, taken a hit with this program. I, I think that has to be addressed one way or the other. Where, whether it's a conversation from Cal that says we need we need the players to feel that they could go to you and have real heart to heart conversations and say, you know, man, what? Because th- those are not happening right now. That that is a, a an absolute black eye uh, on this program that players don't feel that connectivity with uh, with, with the coaching staff right now. They just don't, and, and that has to get addressed. If, film breakdowns, uh, scouting, evaluations, all that stuff, it has to get addressed. And I, I don't care if it comes from within or if you have to go outside to, to make that happen. Uh, it, it has to happen. It, happen. it has to happen this offseason. And I do think that Cal knows that. And I think that there's kind of a seriousness to that, that um, those conversations are ongoing. And I think for the first time, I think Cal had kind of penciled in Josh Pastner as his guy. And, and I still would not be upset if Pastner's on the staff. Um, because I think that they did have a lot of magic together at Memphis. And I think recreating that, there is there is some appeal to that. But are there fresh ideas coming from Josh Pastner on this staff that you're not getting from Orlando Antigua or whatever? You need a fresh voice. You need the, the, the spark on this staff that has just not been there. And I do think that has to be an outside voice that isn't just a, connect, you know, a connection to Cal, a family friend, somebody that Larry ba- Brown – recommended to you or uh, you know somebody that you're old but you know worldwide west puts you in position to get like you, you it needs to be somebody that you go outside the box to go all right why is he impacting the game in such a massive way at a smaller school with limited recruiting you know why is why is it clicking for that guy at with lesser resources than my guy here at Kentucky that has to yeah. get addressed right now and and I don't that, that's a Cal decision that's above my pay grade, but it's something that has to get addressed. So, and for the first time this week, I've heard names outside of, uh, outside of just uh, Josh Pastner and Derek Kellogg as, as, as names that, that are thrown around. So I think there's at least some, all right, let's see if we can get a little bit more creative in, in what we got to do in that regard. So I think it's trending in the right direction where it's not just going to be a penciled in, guy out, out of comfort. So that at least makes me feel a little bit better about this process that is, I think, bigger than some of these player decisions, if we're being totally honest. Yeah, don't just fill a seat to fill it. You know, fill it with something of substance and and someone that can, you know, challenge you and, and take this program and, and get it where it, back to where it needs to be. Like, get a guy in that seat that's going to challenge you every single day when they show up at the office. That's what you want in a coaching staff. You don't – I mean, every – Every person needs yes men, right? Like you need the people that always agree with you, but you also need the people, <clears throat> excuse me, that will step up there and, and tell you like, no, I don't agree with this. I think that this would work. And those people that aren't afraid to do that, the best college staffs in the country have those guys on them. Mm-hmm. I want to see the guys <clears throat> in Cal's ear saying things, recommending things. But Cal does a lot of that is sit down, you know, and kind of just brushes people off and – I don't know. I, I think that Cal would be a hard guy to to work for, obviously, but I'm sure that these guys that have done it with him, they they know that personality and stuff. But I think that getting somebody on there that's going to challenge him to kind of step outside the box and maybe look at some different approaches to things offensively and things like that, I think that would be the perfect fit, whoever that is. I don't know who that guy is, but I'm sure that I will uh, break it down and critique it whenever it, it does come out. That'll be a fun episode. Uh, Ethan Howard has said the word Rondo like 8,000 times in this chat. So I do want to, uh, 
uh, at least bring that one up. Yes, he was still taking classes on campus this year, had buddies in class with him and said that he was there every single day and doing all the right things. And, and um, conversations were fairly recent with Cal about the possibility of joining the staff as a student assistant. And that's something, you know, you have to be a full-time assistant, just like Tyler Ulis. Um, and it is still very fair to say they're working toward that and the conversations are still ongoing, but I don't know, man. I, I just think yep. when push when push comes to shove, Rondo is like a massive name in, in like just the sport of basketball. And I just think when push comes to shove, they can have conversations a day leading up to the season. And then an NBA team say, uh, Rondo, if you're going to be a student assistant at, at Kentucky or a grad assistant somewhere after he gets his degree or whatever, why don't you come here and make real money and, and do this job the right way? Like, why don't you come take a step toward being a head coach in the NBA? So – I'm still very cautious about just how that, like those, uh, it's still a good thing that the conversations have been recent and that they're still ongoing. And he still is working toward achieve, you know, achieving the full-time student status where he could be uh, on the staff in that regard, but it's still very complicated. And I would be, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say shocked if it, if it comes to fruition, but I'm just, you know, keeping it at arm's length and not just assuming that we can pencil him in on the staff because he is Rajon Rondo and he will have plenty of other opportunities out there, or he just might want to take a break from basketball and say, you know what? I know I'm going to be a coach one day. Now isn't my time quite yet, but it, it's very complicated, but that's the one that I know fans are going crazy over and they want him. They want him uh, in, in Lexington. And just, just like I do, I, I think it'd be a blast. What would you think about, something so just off the wall different that that maybe Cal takes this time and maybe looks to the NBA and you don't go get a guy that's an actual assistant coach. You go get a guy that maybe does some things, <clears throat> maybe, or maybe if you do assistant coach, maybe you get a guy that maybe specializes in certain areas, like whether it be offensive strategy, you don't want to call him an offensive coordinator, but you go get a an X's and O's mastermind. You know, you go find him in the NBA and it could be a, a guy that's doing another job on an NBA franchise. It doesn't have to be a guy that's con entirely sitting on the bench as an assistant coach, but kind of the way the route that Kentucky went with like a Liam Cohen in football. And then you put him as an offensive coordinator and it worked out for a year and now he's back. Like you, you go get somebody like that that's kind of outside the box. Maybe they don't have any experience in recruiting. Do you need that though when you're John Calipari? Do you no. need the guy that can lead the recruiting trail? No. Yeah. Go get somebody that can. That's that's what I think Kentucky should be looking for. Some of these names are cracking me up. <laughs> Carter Valley, get Ty Lue on the bench. Getting goes. Did someone say John Wall? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be thinking outside the box, and that would be a blast in its own right, but. Yeah, <laughs> brother Terry. Ty Lue is the head coach of the Clippers. He isn't coming here. <laughs> Screw it. Let's get Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, Eric Spolstra, Brad Stevens. Let's see. Why not? This is Kentucky. We are the gold standard. Why can't we? Uh, no, you can get creative. We'll. we'll uh, I, I. I at least heard some more positive things this week that it's at least being addressed, and those conversations are ongoing. That I think that they're. A little bit, gonna you know, a little bit more creativity could be coming, which is a plus in my book. That's exactly what I'm 
uh, looking for. Uh, not there, and also Carter Vale and about eight thousand other people in this chat. Again, th this chat is just blowing up. Every single one of these shows, it's like there's ten thousand messages to go through. Um, a lot of people talking about Rob Dillingham and just what's going on with him, and if there's anything new uh, with him. No, it's nothing different than I've said on this show in the past, and um, the the situation is what it is. Rob Dillingham has been a guy that loves to bounce around and uh, go by his own accord. He's he shows up to events when he he wants to and goes places where when he's well and ready and he talks to the media when he wants to or just people in general when he wants to. So I have never been overly confident about just things just being peachy with Rob. I, I love Rob as a player. I think it's a blast. I think he's going to be one of the most entertaining players to come through uh, the John Calipari era. And I, I would very much love the, the opportunity to cover him in Lexington. Uh, but it, it the situation is what it is. It, it, I don't think his time at Overtime Elite, they did a very good job PR-wise about, oh, everything was great. And Rob loves every second. He's showing up to class every day and, uh, you, you know, getting a thousand jump shots up every two hours. And like, you know, they're saying all the right things and all that, but the whispers don't indicate that to be the, the, the total truth. Um, so I, I'm hoping for the best and Kentucky still feels confident that they're going to get him um, and that he's going to be there. And sometimes you got to take them for their word, but to say that I just haven't heard any, scuttlebutt about his status and you know what his transcripts look like and just a whole bunch of different things i'd be lying i, I and i've said that on this show from from the start but kentucky thinks that they're going to have rob here and if they they're confident then sean i guess you should be too yeah i, th I think you you have to be right until there's something different and uh it's wild that, you know, all the Rob comments and stuff coming out of nowhere, like it's not like anything crazy has changed from, you know, that stuff's been there for a while, right? Like, and everything, like they're of the belief that he'll be at Kentucky. And I think everybody should probably operate as, under the same assumption that he's going to be a wildcat and they're confident he's going to be on campus and he's going to be driving John Calipari crazy with some shot selection here in a few months. Like that's, that's what I would fully expect, but, uh, I'm going to put my name in the hat for assistant coaching job. I'm just going to take an application to the craft center and like here and let Cal throw in the trash. Have you uh, listened to me on sources say I am obviously qualified? I mean, He's going to say, yes, I have listened to you on sources say, and I've also <laughs> seen you tweet that I probably am nearing the end of my time here. So and you, Sean, are a jackass. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he's going to say. So I uh, shot that opportunity in the foot. So uh, definitely, no, that'd be funny. He'd be like, ah, yeah, leave my building. <laughs> Who lets you in? Um, have a nice day and never talk to me again. Uh, yeah, so I I will be, we'll see. I, I am very excited about the possibility of Rob Dillingham uh, being in Lexington, and I will leave it at that. Uh, Sean, we got to get out of here. It's been a long show. We are like, like sticking this right at an hour. So, uh, But no, no issues with the connection. How about that? We've been in here the entire time. Isn't that great? I, I wish that I actually, you know, had a permanent setup. I'm going to have the whole, like, uh, you know, arm with the microphone and, you know, like the professional camera and all that setup. It's going to be just absolutely stunning and spectacular. So very excited for that. But unfortunately, you get me, uh, it, you, I come as I am in this uh, in this setting. And um, 
until then, deal with it because I'm dealing with it and uh, it's unfortunate. But we're, we're still excited to be here. Numbers were great again. And I appreciate all of our listeners. It means a lot um, that we have continued feedback like this. It, it's, it's always a blast to do the show and uh, grateful for the opportunity. Let's go on and get out of here. One last message from our friends um, uh, with Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. Andy is super nice, great to chat with, big college sports fan, by the way, and we are very excited to partner with him. Next year, Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life. 10 plus years ago, if you are wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy. He's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you. As always, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Jack Pilgrim here with Sean Smith. Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. And who are you picking in the national championship tonight? I hate to say it, but UConn is absolutely steamrolling. Uh, the competition have been the entire uh, entire postseason. I don't see that changing tonight. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go I, opposite. I'll, I'll go San Diego State. I think it's going to be a close game. They've been in close games in this tournament. UConn has not. And I'm going to go upset. The, you uh, guys are not going to believe this. My electricity just came back on, like just as the show was ending. Why? Why wouldn't it? Of course. <laughs> why it? You've why been in your car the entire time. The voice behind it all, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> One day this show won't be an absolute train wreck. Uh, Who you got, but- Stephen? UConn, San Diego State. UConn seems to win in, in this chaos all the time. They want they beat an eight seed and one beat an eight seed and another. And now they'll beat a five seed. I don't know how they do it. And Whenever one seeds get knocked out, UConn wins. It's weird. Really, really interesting conversation too. Like if a fifth title, yeah. since you got to start. I mean, they're one of the weirdest programs. They're like, they're all in or all out, right? Like there's there's no in between when it comes to UConn. They win the whole thing or they don't. They're no good. Five titles in 25 years. Are they a blue blood? If they a, win a, a recent blue blood, yes. Like you gotta, you gotta start having a different conversation. Like their bad has been bad, but their good has been as good as it can get. Like, would Kentucky fans trade that if it came with the bad? Not making terms. Like, because like, their bads I mean? are absolutely their bads are really bad. But it, yeah, they're, they're really not bad. getting they're not getting number five tonight. Though San Diego State's going to win that game. We'll see. We got to have the conversation of their blue blood if they if they do end up winning this. The people that are listening to this tomorrow morning uh, are gonna on the podcast feed are gonna just crack up at the the stupidity to close the show out one way or the other. Oh, UConn got their butts kicked, or San Diego State got their butts butts kicked. So somebody will fully tweet at me here in about an hour and be like, "Oh, oh UConn's you're up so 20 smart at what you're doing." Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're so brilliant. They're up twenty before the game starts. This idiot wants to be an assistant coach at Kentucky, but he can't even guess who's going to win the national championship. Oh, the audacity. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we uh, let, let's go on and get out of here, Sean. You have already said where fans can find your work. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Jack Pilgrim, KSR, reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the JFX Source Say podcast. We will see you then.